0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Grain Waves Podcast. I'm Rodney. And I'm Gabe. And we'll be taking you through real-time insights and analysis of grain marketing decisions. You know, one of my favorite things to do to start off a um, conversation with growers, anytime I get to do a slide presentation, I start off with my first slide always says, you are long your crop for the rest of your life. (laughs) Uh, yeah. it always dries up the room, right? Everybody's like, "Oh, who's this guy? Right? I don't, I don't, I don't like this guy." But it's super relevant, I think, to remind. Any chance I get to remind a producer that he's long his crop, literally for the rest of his life, or until he farms, you know, until he's done farming, is worth throwing out to those guys. I think, right? Um, I think I'm using one of your tricks when I'm doing that. Is I'm making them make a decision, right? Am I doing something right by saying? Hey, now that we've all acknowledged that you are actually long and not just farming, is that like a behavioral trick that I'm using on these guys?
1: Yeah. I, uh, yes. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a behavioral trick. You know, I mean, you are a little <laughs> sneaky, but um, <laughs> but but a lot of this stuff is really about trying to again move humans along to better understand what what are the risks, right, and, and price them appropriately. Uh, so yeah, I think being explicit about this is your actual position, because we talked before, you know we've we've talked about how if I don't make a decision, right, an explicit decision, I actually don't feel uh, risk as strongly. And so when you frame it up as this you're, you're long forever, uh, you you help, you know it's one piece of the puzzle in helping people understand. Like, oh, I am actually long the market, right? I don't start flat. And so what's actually happening when somebody does a hedge, right? They, they do a forward price. They've actually taken risk off the table, yeah. right? They've gone to a flat position. Um, I, I used to joke, like, we're all horrible equity traders. Like, I, I don't know what, because look at all the stocks that went up today. I didn't buy any of those. No, <laughs> Me either. Right? Like, look at how horrible I am at trading. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. It, it it's all on your frame of reference. Um. So yeah, I, I think that's a, a great step. Do you do
0: anything ever to quantify the size of that risk? Because I. Uh, so not in a large group, it's hard to do. I did one time have a grower. Let's see, he had he had. Um, done like a long futures position. Yeah, that was it. He, he had initiated a long futures position on a cash grain contract. We we called a price pivot, right? So um, he went ahead and initiated a price pivot on like 10,000 bushels of his production. And that night the market went down like 15 cents, okay? <laughs> so the next day he calls me up and he's like, man, Rodney, I lost 1,500 bucks overnight. Like while we were sleeping, I lost 1,500 bucks. And I laughed at him. I go, oh man, you lost way more than that. You, you're, you're long corn for 60 years, right? You lost millions of dollars overnight. And you know, it, it's a funny joke. I, I just like to frame it that way because because I truly believe, you know, when a farmer calls me up, it, the, the question always from a farmer when he when he's calling me is, should I sell today, mm-hmm. right? And that answer for me is yes, <laughs> right? Like, and 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 it's not because I'm a salesperson that's trying to buy grain. It's because I truly believe that your risk is that you're long crop for the rest of your life. So the so the most prudent uh, thing you can do to manage that risk is to sell whatever minuscule increment you're asking me about selling today, right? So mm-hmm. my default is yes, you should sell. And then I'm going to talk about profitability and you know, thinking about thinking ahead about, hey, it, you know, maybe it's reasonable to just sell every day, which I think is also a super reasonable way to price grain. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could try to be a little better at it and say, hey, when are there opportunities that the market presents that I should look for to actually make money when I sell, right? Because that's a different question. He right. if he's asking me. Uh, would I make money if I sell today? That is a fundamentally different question than should I sell today, which you know I do, I do believe you always yes you should sell today if, you're, if you think you should sell you should sell.
1: <laughs> if, what, if you've what, gone what, through the trouble yeah. of having the thought, you might as well follow it through. <laughs> yeah,
0: like yeah, eliminate risk, right?
1: Well, and and it's funny that came up when we were doing some internal training, like we were talking about all like like those conversations, and I said so so in what. In what scenarios would you tell somebody no? Right? Like and, and that was and, and you know, the conclusion is largely the same. Obviously it's it's relevant to how much have you marketed for that crop year and all those types of things. There are other risks to consider around production, but but overall, I like I agree over and over and over again, what we see is people undermarketed. Right. Even yeah. people who think they've sold 100%, they sold 100% of what
0: they did when they round everything down to calculate yeah. what they thought they'd grow. Exactly. Yeah. Acres. Oh, I, farm, I don't farm 1,138 acres. I farm around 1,000 acres. Around 1, right? And I don't raise 214 <laughs> bushel corn. I raise 200 bushel corn. Right. And and do the math out, and it's like, hey, I'm 75% sold. Oh, yeah. really? Mm-hmm. You just raised 240 <laughs> bushel corn. Uh, yeah, I'm 50% sold. <laughs> right. Yeah, math it's just math
1: it's just math it's just math um so yeah so it, it is there i guess it, you know as we're looking at these things and and thinking about that it makes sense to sell in general um, i know for on average we're still i think below break evens right now right on these
0: 2020 prices. Yeah, so it's funny. I've been uh, doing a lot of looking at profitability here for corn and soybeans. Right now, we're, we're essentially everywhere below break even. That wasn't the case 30 days ago, right? That that seems like that's changed in the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who took the time to calculate out their break even cost of production, really, really dive into those numbers, uh, I would suspect we hit some targets here in the last, you know right right before the coronavirus became a big thing um that were profitable so we're not far from that today you know uh i am listening on the radio guys are saying hey we think this uh coronavirus is going to cost the producer 50 bucks an acre 80 bucks an acre on average right uh i'd say i tend to agree we've actually seen most of that in the last <laughs> 10 days here <laughs> didn't take long uh, yeah. <laughs> i didn't take long yeah uh, i think it beat the radio and uh but you know we're coming into some what tends to be a time where you see some historical volatility, right? We're seeing volatility increase that is just as likely to send grain higher as it is to send grain lower. And, you know, I think with the right processes in place, a guy might have an opportunity to grab some profitable sales here.
1: So, so then what would you suggest? Like if, if I'm looking today and I go, okay, these levels aren't attractive to me, like, what are, what, what do I do to make sure that I'm lined up so that when they are profitable I'm taking some action.
0: Yeah. So my biggest thing is, you know, it just comes down to the math, right? So what is the math of profitability? The math of profitability is how much can I sell for? How much am I going to raise and how much did it cost me to produce the crop? Right. So, you know, here we sit, uh, you know, at the end of March. So our seed is still in the bag, (laughs) right? I haven't planted it yet. Uh, future basis, you know, when I look at the cash price, future basis is, is likely faded a little bit, you know, because most of those buyers are going to want to get paid interest for their hedges or whatever. So that, so that basis is on the wider side. So I'm going to say, hey, I think his, historically basis for the delivery period that I'm looking for is X, right? So say 20 under or whatever. Um, and I'm going to calculate t- that to a cash price. So I'm looking at, you know, I'll, I'll use I'll use beans because I talk about corn all the time. So uh, 8 dollars November 20 futures minus a 20-cent basis. That means, hey, i am 854 cash, right? That's mm-hmm. my price. Let's not forget about trucking, Gabe. Everybody forgets about trucking. <laughs> God, everybody forgets about trucking. So do I have to
1: pay for trucking when I have my own truck? It turns out you do. It <laughs> okay. actually, uh,
0: yeah. It, it's funny how many guys don't have to pay for trucking. you know trucking is free because they they own their own trucks and then constantly complain about diesel prices i don't know how those (laughs) i don't know how those two things are related but um so yeah so let's take a little bit off for trucking and just say hey i need eight or the price of grain is 840 even if the actual price for grain is 850 delivered right so those are two different things and then you start looking at production so the so you know, farmers are super conservative when they talk about that production side of things. What's so funny is sitting across the farmers who, you know, I don't know if you know this, farmers are the best farmers. Like when you're at when you're at a guy's table, I, you don't, do you know this? I, they're the I, best, I, yeah, they're the best farmer in that county. Yeah. Yeah. Appropriate, right? They're, Appropriate. they're good. Yeah, they're good at what they do. But when then I say, hey, what's your, uh, what do you think you're gonna raise for soybeans this year? Oh, I'd say, you know, 45 bushel. <laughs> like, oh, uh, that's interesting because the five-year county average is 65 bushel, right? You, you were just the best county or the farmer in the county, and now suddenly you're, like, raising two-thirds of the best. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I think it is relevant to, to really try to hone in on an actual number, right? So, so I'm not, like, if you think it's 65, use 65, right? right? Don't, don't use 70. Because you're just clouding your judgment. Um, I'm taking too long to explain this, but I'm interested in what you think around. Uh, what does it do to your brain when you when you estimate these numbers, right? So, so what happens with most of these guys is they say, oh, you know, I just walked you through delivery, which is futures minus basis minus freight, right? Most guys would say, ah, oh, beans are about 850, Mm-hmm. Right. But they know there's a little fudge factor in there. Yeah. Okay. And then on yield, I want them to say, Hey, I raised 65 bushel, which could be, I fertilized for 65 bushel. I, you know, pl- all, all, like there is a target that they're trying to hit. Yeah. But if they just say like, uh, let's be safe and do 55, but they know there's a fudge factor and then there's going to be a fudge factor in the cost of production. Right. Assuming we carry this all the way through, what does it do to to making a decision when you have 12 different inputs <laughs> that are all really fuzzy?
1: Well,
0: yeah, so, so what it actually lets you
1: do is ignore all the inputs, <laughs> right? So, so when you're looking at a data set and like the one that you've built, right? So I've got 12 different inputs, I've rounded on all of them and I know that I did that, right? Some part of my brain knows yep. that I did that. When I get to the end, the calculation doesn't matter. And and most of the time when you see that, somebody will then go tell you, like, after all that rounding, oh, I need $10 bushel bean to break even, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly what happens every time. Yeah. Right, so, so I construct this scenario, if, if you think about it again, the default is to do nothing, right? What I've done by being conservative and all the, you know, rounding down or taking, You know, safety and a bunch of numbers is I created a scenario that basically says, well, don't bother to do anything till we're at 10, right? Which is really just don't bother to do anything today. And it's nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, few people, I think, recognize that that's part of what they're doing, right? Your, Your brain works really hard to keep your stress level low. And so doing nothing generally is a low stress level. And so it'll do all kinds of things that you don't realize to help you keep that low stress level. And, and I think this is largely just one of them, right? Because if, if at the end of the day, that calculation isn't useful for anything. Because even when I get to 10 bucks, I know that all the data I threw in there wasn't actually yeah. worth it. Um, and, and the other thing that's at play is loss aversion. The only reason somebody doesn't sell today is because they're worried about the market going higher. They'll give you 8 billion reasons not to sell today, But they all boiled down to that one, right? Because at the end of the day, if I sold and the market went down and I, whatever thing happens and I can't fulfill that contract, maybe there's some cancellation fees, but like that's not really a showstopper there, right? The only concern is the market goes higher. And yeah. And so using all those conservative estimates, they're also part of what I do to make sure that I don't feel the pain of over-marketing if, uh, you know, the, I do sell and the market goes up. And so so that's really why those safeties are in place, why, you know, the, intentional or otherwise. We, we do that conservative math because, you know, I may be, like you said, targeting 65 bushels, but the last thing I wanna do is feel the pain of targeting 65, only growing 40, and having marketed like I was gonna grow 65, and suddenly I, you know Ronnie's coming and asking for a check. Yeah. Um, like that's not fun for anybody. And so no. so I understand it and 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 respect it, because that is super painful. Like and that that can be real painful. And that's why, right, all these different companies have all kinds of different things out there that help you take the risk out of the market, right? Really exchange unlimited risk with. With the market going up and down and give you all kinds of ways to start to price things or price things at a floor and have upside. That's what those are all built around is trying to uh, help, help us get out of the way of ourselves to setting some prices, taking risk off the market. And and the way we do that is provide choices that allow us to do things like set floors, but still uh, participate if the market goes higher.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and I'm, yeah, I, that fuzzy math drives me crazy, as you know, you know, like, like we talk about this. But uh, I think, you know, I would rather do razor sharp input prices that were my best guess, right? So those 12 inputs, not input prices. I'm, I'm saying, you know, 12 data points that tell me what my break-even is on a crop. I would rather be razor sharp and wrong on every single one of them, right? But it, But to the best of my knowledge, as sharp as I could be, get a number and then be conservative on that number if I wanted, right? To say like, hey, I know I'm making money on 890 beans, right? But I'm sure not gonna sell below $9 for two reasons. One, because nine is a nice round number that's much more attractive than 890. And two, because I've got that little factor figured in. Is that the right way to think about it?
1: It is. I am having difficulty thinking about it because when you started with, I would rather, I thought you were gonna ask me something, say something like, "I would rather be like uh, live in a giant kangaroo's pouch than have a baby kangaroo live in my pocket." <laughs> okay. So I had trouble yeah, moving no, on I'm, after that. Yeah. <laughs> but but I but I I agree with you, right? Like having having information that's as close to right as I can get it, and it's never going to be perfect, right? and that that's a right. balance, right? It you know when we think about balancing. It, it's really easy to make up a bunch of numbers loosely and just use that because they help move you along and that's better than nothing. But to your point, like ideally we use the best information we have, not even optimistic, but let's, let's go off fact. If I've, if my yield has been going up if I you know, 2% every year and I did 200 bushels last
0: year, like, yeah, we should do 204 this year. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard. Um, yeah. So yeah. And what, and what we're really talking about here is modeling rather than, um, that's it, you know? Yeah because uh, because it, it also strikes me you know the yield thing. I feel like anytime I talk to a guy about yield, that that is the one that he can really skirt me on, right? Because it's like it's easy I think you talk about how guys don't like making decisions. So that is the point. I can say this is the price. And I can say, this is your inputs, right? We can argue about what those inputs were, but, but we can say that's what it is. We know it. There's a checkbook that says what those inputs cost. Mm-hmm. But the second you say yield, that's the one that that guy can wiggle right out of your arms, right? Like <laughs> just, just, you just wiggle out and say, boy, it's hard to say. But, I, but I've always felt like, you know, today when that seed's still in the bag, we're going to raise 55 bushel beans, right? We're, we're just going to raise 55 bushel beans. And if we get them all planted on May 1st, we're probably going to raise 60 bushel beans so it's reasonable for me to to take that 55 bump it up to 60 for the decisions that i'm making at that point right and then and then and then like last year uh fourth of july right when we hadn't planted any beans yet or you know uh first of july when we hadn't planted any beans left you know that number to me was 30 which is appropriate. Like, that's fine. Uh, we ended up outperforming that, but that, but that was a reasonable model for what we were going to achieve back then. Yeah. I,
1: um, you know, I'm thinking back to last year, uh, we don't have time for this now, but I think next time we talk, you should tell the story about how you sat down with your dad to do the math on prevent, <laughs> <laughs> and what happened yeah. after that. Um, yeah. You know, Cause it's the same kind of stuff, right? Like, and then the, the other part that I continually, um, think about is it's really easy to sit in the chairs that we're in and say, this is how to do it. When it's, when you're writing, uh, when you're making the decisions, that's where the emotions come in. Um, and so, um, it, you know, I believe the things we're talking about are the right things, but I can't emphasize enough like how hard it is to do that on your own as the decision maker. And so finding people that you trust, whoever they are to, to help validate your ideas and, and provide a, a kind of a, a place where you can have discussions and questions and think through things um, is really helpful. Um, and, and it helps to share that pain a little bit, you know, whether it's with your spouse or brother, or family, <laughs> whatever. Um, so I think that
0: that's another important thing to keep in mind thanks for listening to the Grainwaves podcast. Every week we analyze the markets to bring insight to challenging decisions you make every day.
1: Sometimes we could all use more support. If you feel overly affected by stress, know that you're not alone. Visit our show notes to find resources that may be helpful for you.
0: The material contained in this presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be construed as any trading advice or market outlook. There are risks associated with participating in any trade or transaction in financial instruments, and each party should independently consider such risks and perform their own due diligence prior to the execution of any trade or transaction. Indigo makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy of any information or opinions contained herein.